0: We covered that this morning. Amen. The second commandment, which includes all the rest, is thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Right. Upon these two commandments hang the entire law and the prophets. Amen. There is nothing more. Right. So tonight, I want to take up the second commandment in a unusual way. But I want to read to you Acts chapter 2 so that you can be reminded of what an apostolic church looks like. Right. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 41... Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about three thousand souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and had all things common. Amen. Pretty Shoes is the title of my sermon tonight. Why Wear Pretty Shoes? Now this is a pretty shoe. Why Wear Pretty Shoes? This is a test of genuine Christianity. If we want apostolic Christianity in this church, we will understand the question, Why Wear Pretty Shoes? And this is you may think that's trite it isn't trite it's to get your attention we've already been here 45 minutes it's hot and stuffy to me and now I have your attention a little bit better than I did before I wish that Acts 241 through 47 would get it completely and I hope that it did Amen. but why wear pretty shoes if you want a project for your life i'm going to give you one tonight a project that counts a project that god looks at a project that you can benefit others, and a project by which you will benefit yourself. This, that we just read, was a description of a true apostolic New Testament church. Notice their unity, their love of one another, and their willingness to give up whatever they had to share with the rest of the group because they loved and cared about the others that made up that church. Amen. God makes differences. First point, God makes differences. Differences in genetics. Are we all genetically different in here? Even my children are significantly genetically different. Each of you has a little book that God wrote in that book, exactly how tall you would be, how wide you would be, and everything else about how you would be. It's called your DNA. And it's a book that God wrote about you. It's in Psalm 139. David acknowledges that all of his members were written in that book before he had ever been formed. We all differ in the training that we've received. Training from parents. Training from other sources. The opportunities, the knowledge, the circumstances that God has brought into our lives make us individually very different from each other. We have differences because of these things in looks, in smarts, in temperament, in personality, in strength, in speed, in analysis, in speech, in hearing, in understanding, right on down the list. Significant differences in the 50 members that make up this assembly. God made those differences. The Bible's very clear about that. We should be thankful, content, and receive. Those that were made differently. Look at, you're close by, 1 Corinthians 4, 7. Isaiah 45 might even be better, but let's go to 1 Corinthians 4, 7. In Isaiah 45, that's where the Lord describes Himself as a potter and we're the clay, and He makes us in different ways, and it's not our place to ask Him why we were made differently. It's our place to be thankful that He made us. Amen. First Corinthians 4, 7, For who maketh thee to differ from another? Does anyone know the answer to that rhetorical question? God, God does. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Amen. You didn't earn it, get it, God gave it to you. Right, now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it, but you earned it? Why is there any glorying in the things that you have? Because what you have, what I have, God gave us. We didn't earn them or deserve them. They're from God. Therefore, God should get all the glory, and He's the one that made us all to differ. We all do differ, though, is my first point. We just want to recognize that it's from the Lord. Now, look at Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 20. To natural men, this creates a problem. There is an automatic carnal ungodly, wicked, natural reaction to the differences among men, and that is that men flock and gravitate toward those that are more blessed than others and ignore those that are less blessed. Proverbs 14 and verse 20. And I want to tell you the Lord can love the less blessed more than the most blessed. And do you know what His general rule is? To love the less blessed more than the most blessed. And do you know what the great classic example in the Bible is? The rich man and Lazarus. And which would you rather be? Who would you rather be? The rich man faring sumptuously at his table every day? Or Lazarus having his sores licked by the dogs? That's an easy decision, I hope. In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 20, it says, The poor is hated even of his own neighbor, but the rich hath many friends. Now that's a proverb. Now, is that how we're supposed to act, or is that a description of how natural men, ungodly, without the Spirit of God, do act? If you, thank you. A violation of this took place seven years ago that not everyone was able to catch on to. There were verses used from the book of Proverbs that are descriptive in nature and are not teaching us anything. They are descriptive of natural men, because where the Spirit of God is, it's very different conduct. But right here, the poor is hated even of his own neighbor, but the rich hath many friends. That's as true as the law of gravity. Men gravitate toward the money because they want to know what they can get out of it. Instead of gravitating toward the poor because the poor are going to need rather than be able to give. Now that is a sin, and that is sin nature. It's simply being described by Solomon. Not all the Proverbs are instructive as to how we should act. They're instructive as to how the world acts. Right. We're to be different. Amen. First point, God makes differences among men. Second point, God puts those differences together in the church. Look at First Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians 12. Lord, help me. You are the great master designer. And you have built all churches of the Lord Jesus Christ for your own honor and glory. You've put every single member into them that is there. And you've done so with this church. Bless me, O Lord, to lead these people to see this truly and clearly. And that they might be convicted in their souls and their hearts. For the work that that leaves us. And the pleasure that that leaves us in serving one another. For Jesus Christ's sake and his honor and glory. Amen. 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 In Acts chapter 2, we read, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So who adds members to a church? The Lord does. The Lord makes that difference. Every member in a church was placed there by God. If there is someone in this congregation of 50 people, and I guarantee there is, if you say there isn't, you're lying to me. Or you don't know the church well enough. If, there is someone who really irritates you in this church. That person was put there by God because he loves you. That's right. <laughs> Amen. I, I love this subject. Amen. Because he's going to perfect you. That's right. He's going to perfect you. If he just put, filled this church with people that you loved and got along with, it wouldn't perfect you at all. You would totally relax and be looking for what you could get out of everyone else who is just like you. Instead, the Lord's got a little job for you and me. If there's someone in here who really needs a lot from you, and it takes a lot to get along with them and takes a lot to help them, God put them here because He loves you. If you can ever get what I just said, you've got most of this message. Every member in the church is put there for you. You say, well, how do I know that they weren't put there for someone else? Because each of you is responsible for the other 49. Right. I'm responsible for the other 49, and God has arranged those 49 to extract from me how much I love Him. Amen. Because if I love the Lord Jesus Christ enough and sincerely, and I'm taught apostolically i've got forty nine projects, right. and you've got forty nine projects Amen. and that is to love one another, and he made us all different, so we're going to run into some differences that we don't like differences that we wouldn't choose, differences that are different from us, differences that are different than what our parents acted like, differences that are that great on the nerves. but those should be of of little consequence to us right. because. If the person loves the Lord Jesus Christ, that means they're a son or a daughter of God. And if they're a son or daughter of God, they're a brother or sister of you. And therefore, you love them in the Lord and you want to serve them, help them. And why do we wear pretty shoes? Each flock of sheep has rams, lambs, ewes, and the sick, feeble and deformed. Every flock of sheep. There's never been a shepherd that had a perfect flock of sheep. Where they all look like identical, you know, twins. Well, they may have one of those one of these days with all of their playing around with genetics, but we're not going to worry about that. So far, every sheep that's born has a book written by God, and there's differences. They're sick, they're feeble, they're deformed. They're rams, they're lambs, and in the church we've got rams and we've got lambs. We've got little you sheep. Your sheep too, but I didn't mean it that way. I meant EWE. It's a law of God that there will always be such in a congregation to take care of. Now I want to read to you one of the most masterful pieces of English literature that's ever been put together to make it plain to us why you ought to wear pretty shoes. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 12. For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, Are one body, so also is Christ. Now, all of the words except the last four are referring to your physical body. And I'm going to lead you through a number of verses here. Just please follow with me and understand that God puts all these differences together in the church. There's lots of differences. For as the body is one, I've got one body, you've got one body. We're talking about physical bodies right now. But those bodies have different members. We've got ears, we've got eyes, we've got a nose, a mouth, a tongue, hands, arms, elbows, feet, legs. We've got lots of different members, but they're all connected and working together very efficiently as one body. Many members, one body. That's all that that verse means, but he also says, so also is Christ. And that is the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. Four. By one spirit are we all baptized into one body. All 50 of us have been by the Spirit of God placed into one body, which is called the Church of Greenville. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, see, the Lord doesn't care. Jews or Gentiles, northerners or southerners, whether we be bond or free, we've been all made to drink into one spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 13. We are all participating in one spirit. Now, all the members of my body, they're participating in one spirit. It's my spirit. It's the spirit that animates, directs, controls, and guides all the members of this body. Now, the the church, so is Jesus Christ. There's one spirit that is directing, animating, and guiding, and directing all of the members that make up this body because we're all participating in that one spirit. We're very much like a body. For the body is not one member, but many. This is a key verse because it's going to explain the next few. The body is not one member, but many. Many churches you'll go into and you'll find that there's one member, and the whole church acts like that member is the body. And often it's the pastor. But that is not the case. We are 50 members, brethren. I'm a servant of the church, not the head of the church. The head of the church is the Lord Jesus Christ. There's 50 members. For the body is not one member, but many. There is not one member that can be looked upon as the body. There is not one representative great man here that can be looked upon as the church of Greenville. That's what that verse is teaching. Now, as we draw from that, we have two different perspectives. We have the perspective of those who feel less than the rest. So they ask some questions. Then we have those who feel that they're better than the rest. And they ask some questions. But neither of them are the body. The body is many members. So let's follow the questions from those that think they're less than the rest. Verse 15. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? No, it is not of the body. It is part of the body, even if it be a foot and it's not a hand. But a foot sometimes might, listen, my feet are covered and there's good reason why. Why wear pretty shoes? Come on. You're going to understand that before you go home. My hands, well, you might think they need something. Maybe you want me to start wearing gloves. But usually God made hands to be attractive enough that we don't cover them. In any society never in the history of the world except Eskimos in winter, do you cover your hands? They're left exposed. Because God makes them more attractive. How many of you want to say your feet look better than your hands? That's why we have our feet covered. Why wear pretty shoes? If the foot shall say to the if the foot shall say to itself, if the foot thinks, well, I'm not a hand, I'm not as useful, I'm not as out in front of the congregation as much, I'm not as exposed as much, I'm, not part, I'm really not part of the body. Um, and listen to this. Right. These are real thoughts yep. directed by the Spirit of God that church members have from time to time. I'm not like some of the other members. Am I of the body? You bet you are. Right. And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? No. It is part of the body. But I want you to remember that God the Holy Spirit put two verses in here telling us that there are certain members in every congregation of saints that feel less than the rest. You all ought to have grieving hearts right now. Right. If the whole body were an eye... Now remember what the ear just said in verse 16. Because I'm not an eye, I'm not as important. I don't even know if I'm part of the body. But the ear is part of the body. You want to stop hearing for an hour and see if the ear is part of the body? If the whole body were an eye... You know, that ear is looking at the eye saying, that's definitely a member of the body. That's someone they need. If the whole body were an eye... Where were the hearing? What would an eyeball look like if it came in here? Would it roll or bounce? It is a little ball of muscle wrapped in mucous membrane. Wouldn't it be the ugliest thing you ever laid eyes on? Aren't you glad you have eyelids to close it every couple seconds? What would it do? Roll in here and bounce around? Where would be the hearing? If the hole were hearing, where were the smelling? This is, this is the Lord speaking. Amen. This is the Lord speaking to every church of saints that has existed since the Corinthian church. But now hath God, verse 18, but now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. We've got eyes and ears in here. Exposed, we've got hands. In a, in a church, there are members that are like the ear, we leave it exposed, the eye it's left exposed. What society of men since the creation of Adam and Eve went around with their eyes covered? None. The eyes are known to be one of the more attractive parts of the human body and anatomy, and so they're left exposed. God made it that way. If you read, we're going to read it. God designed the body that way for the eyes to be exposed, the ears to be exposed, especially on men, hands to be exposed. But there are other parts that aren't exposed. But I just want to point out is we're at verse 18. God hath set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. God set them, every one of them, as it pleased him. And when I get done, I hope that it pleases you. Because you'll understand the purpose. Naturally, it might not. But we're not here to learn anything naturally. We're here to unlearn everything naturally and learn things spiritually. And every member that's in this body, God put them here because He loves you. That's right. To teach you how to love others. Just as He loves you because you were pretty ugly when He set His affection on you. Amen. That's right. And aren't you glad that He clothed you? With the white linen of the saints, as we just read tonight, as we heard tonight from Matthew, verse 19, and if they were all one member, where were the body? Pick any member you want, out of the church or out of the physical body, if you made a body that in that member by itself, what kind of a body would it be? Totally dysfunctional, unable to to go on, unable to exist, unable to survive, unable to accomplish anything. Although, what do those who think they are better than the rest think? Just think what this church could be if there were more of me. What if the eye said that? Just think, what this church, just, just think what this body could be if more of the members became eyes. Don't we call that a cyclops or some other deformity of nature where you've got more eyes than you should? It's a deformity. But now are they many members, yet one body. Verse 20. Verse 21, now here we're, we're switching perspectives. The first perspective was those was those that feel less than the rest. And I hope that it grieves your heart to know that there's anyone in a New Testament church that could ever feel less than the rest. There are always those in a New Testament church that feel less than the rest. Right. By this example. But now we have those that feel they're better than the rest, which is just as bad. And it ought it ought not to grieve us, it ought to shame us verse 21 and the eye cannot say unto the hand I have no need of thee nor again the head to the feet I have no need of you nay much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary there are parts of your body right now that God does not consider attractive he exposes the attractive things by the decorum of society, and it's existed for 6,000 years. But there are parts of your anatomy that are not exposed right now, and one, every single one of you are using to great advantage. You're sitting on a very comfortable pad. God created it, and God has designed that it be covered from the, or- from the beginning with Adam and Eve. But it's an uncomely member, but it's very useful. Do you want to stand right now? Your feet will be thankful that you have a seat. It's wonderful. God's made some fantastic bodies, and he wants us to take the picture of a physical body and apply it to a church. Verse 23, And those members of the body, physical and spiritual, which we think to be less honorable... Upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. Why wear pretty shoes? Feet are ugly. That's been known since Adam and Eve. They looked down and said, Wow, let's start wearing shoes. Someone will come along and say, No, you wear shoes simply to protect the soles of your feet from the ground. That isn't true. An outfit... An outfit is not complete until a woman has a nice pair of shoes that match it. And today, where there's so much excess money in our society, those women go and get their... What's it called? Come on. Spring out with the word that starts with P. Pedicures. Wow. They go get their pedicures. They paint their toenails. And what care they put into hose and socks. And so do we. And it's all not just for comfort. I mean... No one comes in here with a nice suit on and a pair of work boots. Now, the work boots protect your feet better. With steel toes, they protect your feet better than a pair of dress shoes. And sometimes they can be more comfortable because there's more cushion built into them. But if you come in here in a suit, guess what you've got on? A nice pair of shoes, and the Lord knows all of that because it has always been true. Our uncomely parts, we give more attention to them so that they can appear more comely so that over. (laughs) <laughs> this is I don't mean you to look up here that way. I mean for you to think about yourself as to how you appear, it's the overall impression of an outfit. There are parts of the body that God leaves exposed, always has in clothing, all nations. And there are other parts we cover up to add to their comeliness so that overall there is an impression and an appearance that is pleasant, comfortable, beautiful to look at, efficient, orderly, complete, attractive, amen. so should be the church of Jesus Christ. amen. Verse 24, for our comely parts have no need. Your eyes and ears and face have little need of help with clothing and attention. But God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, this is the body physical and the body spiritual, that there should be no schism in the body. What is schism in the body? It is partiality and cliques. It is class distinctions in the church of Jesus Christ. Right. There are none. Amen. A schism is a division or a rift in a congregation, and there are not to be any in the body of Jesus Christ. But that the members should have the same care, one for another, verse 25 and then verse 26, and whether one member suffer... All the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored. All the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. He takes that whole 15 verse passage and summarizes it down saying, You are a body. You are the body of Christ and members in particular. Are you conscious of your uncomely members? And are you applying more abundant comeliness to them? Do you give them more abundant honor? That there be no schism in the body, no class distinction, no distinction of any type, but that all members be treated equally. And how do we accomplish that but by the members that can hear this message giving abundant honor to those parts that lack? Point two was God puts the differences together in the church, and we just looked at that in this lengthy passage. The third point we want to look at is that we're to recognize those differences. We are to be perceptive enough that we can see differences. Romans 14. Him that is weak in the faith. Wow, that must mean we're supposed to be able to recognize those that are weak in the faith. Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. And that weakness in the faith has to do with eating things offered eating things offered to idols and actually matters of liberty involving idols. But there is an observation that there are weaker brethren in the church recognizing that difference that God made. Based on training, knowledge, or whatever, grace of God, they are still weak in that particular point. We are to recognize it. These are just examples. Look at Romans 15. Romans 15. We're looking at Bible verses showing us that God expects us to recognize the differences in a body. Romans 15, one says, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. You should be able to recognize whether you're a strong member, and if you are, you don't say, I have no need of thee, weak member, right. but you are to bear the infirmities of the weak member. And if the weak member is bearing his proportionate share of his load, and you're bearing the rest of it, guess what? We're all making progress as fast as we can. Yeah. Because if you will humble yourself to help the weak bear their burden, you will be a better Christian yourself. Right. Galatians 6 says, "Ye which are spiritual should be able to recognize that you're more spiritual than others. In when you see a man falling into a fault, you're to restore that man in the spirit of meekness. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, where we have several distinctions made. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. The purpose of the New Testament church is the perfection of the saints that make up its membership so that when Jesus Christ comes, he has a perfect body. That's the purpose. It's not just ministerial, it's congregational. We come together in a congregation to exhort one another and to provoke one another unto love and to good works for our mutual perfection before Jesus Christ. You can walk with God better by being part of a New Testament church where you apply yourself. If you try to walk with God on your own, you only have one measure of the work of the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God also works through His churches. Didn't we just read that in 1 Corinthians 12, 13? For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, and we've all been made to drink into one Spirit? You miss that if you're not participating in an assembly. 1 Thessalonians 5, 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. You should be able to look around and sometimes... Hopefully, not often in a good church, see unruly members. If you see unruly members, you're to recognize that difference and treat them accordingly, warn them. Then you're to look around and you should be able to recognize feeble minded members. As some of our members get older, and this is not funny at all and it's not a joke, they will become more feeble minded. And what does the Bible say? exhort the feeble-minded to maintain the same level of strength that you have no. it says to comfort the feeble-minded Amen. and we're going to have members sometimes that's all you can do for them is to comfort them and there isn't a thing wrong with comforting the feeble-minded in fact it's a commandment Amen. and then it says support the weak you know i read that and i look at it and the apache side of jonathan crosby comes out saying shouldn't it say warn the weak Shouldn't it say blast the weak? Shouldn't it say crush the weak? Shouldn't it say exclude the weak? That's a long time ago. I hate that side of me. Amen. I was there was a little too much emphasis put on that in my past and my ministerial training. I love this text now, and you know I go there often when I'm talking about the church. Because right here, wise church members are to recognize the differences. There are unruly members, there are feeble minded members, and there's weak members, and you're to treat them differently. Some just need to be comforted, some just need to have some support, some need to be warned, but not all. We're to recognize the differences. Point number four we're to serve those differences. Look at this text right here. We'll stay right there. That is service. This is how we perfect one another. How does a feeble-minded saint get perfected? Are we going to teach them some new great body of doctrine? A feeble. If our ex-president, Ronald Reagan, was a member of this assembly, what would we do for him if he was a member of our assembly? We would comfort him. and we wouldn't expect any more than that. Right. We would be able to recognize God made that difference. We wouldn't go around pretending to worry as Bildad, and Zophar, Job's miserable comforters, trying to tell him that he's obviously got sin in his life and needs to repent. We would comfort him. Amen. Not until you find someone unruly do you move to warn them. And if we find someone weak, that staggers and stumbles under the burdens of life. We don't come and beat them because we want them to be stronger. We support them because God made us stronger. And guess what? Their burden gets lighter when you support them, and when you're beating them, their burden gets heavier. This whole church will move. I cannot tell you. All I know is this. I hath not seen nor ear heard. Neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And if we were to walk with God like this morning and treat one another like tonight, you've never seen what the Lord can do in a New Testament church. I want to shake heaven. I don't care about shaking this place. I want to shake heaven as he sees 50 people who want to practice true apostolic Christianity. You say you keep telling us that and you can't tell us what it is. I don't know what it is. I haven't been there either. But I want to be there. I want to be there. Look at Luke 14. This This is the meat of the lesson. We've only got a few minutes left. The meat of the lesson is how do we serve those differences? We have looked at the fact that God makes differences, significant differences. And because he made them, we just thank him, we're content, and we receive those that are different from us because he made the difference. We saw by point number two that God puts those differences together in His church, and it's His pleasure to do so. And every one of the members in a body are there because of Him. We're to recognize the differences, point three. And now point four, we're to serve those differences. Look at Luke 14, verse 12. Then Jesus said also to him that bade him, When thou makest a dinner or a supper, Brethren, please listen to this text. When thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, neither thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again, and a recompense be made thee. But when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just Amen. when we entertain in our homes and you only entertain those that you like those that you get along with well those that you're comfortable with and those that are easy for you to have in your home you are not doing nothing but serving yourself right. I'm sorry to tell you that you know I'm not mm-hmm. but it sounds like I should be but I'm not because it's scriptural Amen. you're serving yourself because your recompense is going to be when they invite you back. And so it's going to be tit for tat, trade will trade, having each other over. And isn't that all nice and wonderful? While there are some that never get invited over, they're the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. The maimed, the lame, and the blind. Now, you probably don't know very many people. it. on a, What's your short list of the poor, maimed, lame, and blind? You probably don't know anyone. And there's a reason for that. This little lesson here by Jesus Christ is figurative, just like it was to cut off your right hand and pluck out your right eye. You're to look for those that are similar to that. He gives it all away with one little adjective in that verse 12. It's rich. He doesn't really mean don't invite your neighbors. He means don't invite your rich neighbors that can return the favor. When you invite someone over, when you plan a party, when you do something in this assembly, always be conscious of the members that are less comely in the gifts that God gave them. That does not mean they are less deserving, worthy, before God at all. But look that we share the abundant honor that we give one another in this assembly to include the whole body of 50, which means that more abundant honor has to be given to those with less. If that is done, then those that already have honor from the Lord... Which is by grace alone, not by merit. Everyone is equal. And isn't that what we read in Acts chapter 2? Those that had possessions sold them, took the money, and distributed to every man as every man had need. There was one sitting at this table where they heard Jesus Christ explain, "This, this is. You will not learn this in business school. Right. You do not get ahead. By networking with the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. Can can you imagine that being taught in some MBA program? But if you want to get ahead in the Lord's kingdom, look at the next verse. I love reading context. There was someone sitting there that heard Jesus give this lesson. And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, "'Blessed is he that shall eat bread.'" In the kingdom of God. Amen. If a church were ever to act like that, what a blessed place it would be, right. is what that man said. Because that is a different philosophy of how to treat people. Amen. Look at Romans chapter 12. you got to get fast, you got to pretend that you're in a sword drill. Because we've got to look at some verses. Romans chapter, anybody remember what a sword drill was? <clears throat> Converted Catholics wouldn't. <laughs> and that is not... I don't mind. That's, a sword drill is when we as children used to play a game to teach us how to use our Bibles. We'd hold our Bibles up, and some, the, the leader would read off a Bible reference, and we'd repeat it to them to make sure we had the right one. Then we'd have a contest to see who could get to it first to read the verse back as a means of teaching us how to use our Bibles because this is called the sword of the Spirit. It's a sword drill. I, I, love, I love your simplicity. You have far less to unlearn. Amen. I, 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 Amen. Romans 12, verse 16. Be of the same mind, one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Amen. Get down. I've taught this before. That middle sentence means get down. Condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Don't think that you're something when you're nothing is another verse that would apply very well here. When we're planning to show some charity in the assembly, we should show it to others. And when we show it to others, we should show it to those that are of low estate, that we can truly serve, that we can give more abundant honor to them and lift them up to where we're all on the same plane, that there be no schism in the body. If we have these grades of church membership, the inner clique, and then the outer lepers, that's a schism, Amen. and it stinks, right. and God will not bless us. That's right. His spirit will not be here, and our drinking will be trying to get water out of a drinking fountain that needs to be repaired. Amen. And I don't want that. Right. I want a river Amen. that I'm choking on. All 50 members God put in this body for us to love. Look at Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. Swords drawn. Acts 20 and verse 35. I have mentioned this verse several times in the last week because I saw it fulfilled last Sunday night. But there's another point in this verse that I have overlooked for a long time. I've read it, but I've overlooked it. Paul the Apostle, as he summarizes a benediction to the church at Ephesus, says in this verse, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak. That's what I've overlooked, because I've wanted to get ahead to the rest of that verse. And to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. If you're depressed or discouraged or if you're in the flesh, or if you're in the spirit and you don't feel, and you're not being moved with the joy of the presence of God, give to someone. And if you will condescend and get down to men of low estate, someone in the congregation that isn't given to that often, and give to them, the Lord will bless you in the deed. And you will be blessed by doing it. It's more blessed to give than to receive. But notice before we even got to that sentence in the first half of the verse, it said that we are to labor to support the weak. All members are not going to be of the same strength. All of you who were here 16 years ago know that that is totally different than what I came here prepared to, you know, I was trained to think that a New Testament church was a seminary class in theology 101 or 201 or 401. And therefore, all we were supposed to do is learn more and more. And if someone wasn't learning and keeping up with the rest, then shame on him. The Bible says there's always going to be differences. Right. Now, that doesn't mean that we put up and condone and support and flatter carnal members. Amen. Right. We're supposed to be able to see beyond that, too, because that would be warning the unruly, right. that would be correcting a brother that's in error. But there is a difference in abilities. And we're to recognize those and show that difference in our conduct. Look at James chapter 2. James 2. No schism in the body. There were schisms in the body before. Those schisms cost us. Amen. No class distinction, no distinction of any kind. Those that are less than the rest, in their opinion, those feet, we buy the best shoes possible to make the outfit complete and perfect by giving them more abundant honor. James 2, here's what James would say. I hope this morning you were impressed by James' boldness in his choice of words. Listen to this. Verse 1, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. That means don't have the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ along with respect of persons because you can't hold them both. You can't have the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ and respect persons. It's chosen to be rich in faith. We ought to always remember that. Haven't you seen your calling, brethren? 1 Corinthians chapter 1. How that God hath, hath not chosen many rich, wise, noble but he's chosen the base things of the world. Amen. Why? To confound those things that are mighty and to bring to naught those things that are. Why? That no flesh should glory in his presence. Why? So that him that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Amen. Jesus would say that loving your enemies is better than loving your friends. If you love your friends, you have your reward. If you love your enemies, and, and we're talking about even enemies in a church, you know, little personal enemies, You haven't got along with them for a long time. Well, that's an enemy. What should you do about it? Go love them to death. Bury them with kindness. Get rid of that difference completely. Serve them. Love them. Cherish them. Give them more abundant honor. Jesus someday will take recognition of it. In Matthew chapter 25, when all men shall stand before him, he's going to divide us one from the other sheep unto, onto his right hand, goats to his left. And he's going to recognize when an act of charity was done toward one of the least of these thy brethren. Notice he didn't say, when you did it to one of my great apostles, or one of the eyes, or the ears, or the hands of a church, but when you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. I think that'll be pretty nice recognition. Amen. Luke 14 called that being recompensed at the resurrection of the just. I'll close with Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16. My point tonight is why wear pretty shoes? We wear pretty shoes to complete an outfit so that the overall appearance of a body is very attractive. We give more abundant honor to the less comely members in a congregation so that the overall appearance of that body is of unity and great attractiveness for the worthy name of the Lord Jesus Christ by which that church is called. And so that when he comes and sees it, that whole body has been taken care of and served and loved as it should have been, with the more comely members giving of themselves to take care of the less comely members, always remembering that comely members are not so because they chose so. They are so because God chose so. And he chose so you would serve the less comely members, not to glory in yourself. If we were to all do that, Ephesians 4.16 says, From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working, in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself itself in love. I know that's a long verse, but in that verse we have a statement that if a church were to love one another and serve one another as they should in Christian love, that body by by what every part contributes can grow up into the perfection that the Lord Jesus Christ is looking for. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word tonight that there be no clicks friends, favorites, or partiality in this church, and I don't mean no friends, I mean friends at the expense of others, right. that we all be friends and that we all be brethren on an equal plane with no schism for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please stand with me.